My message today is entitled, Now. I'm going to begin in Genesis chapter 1, very beginning of the Bible, verse 1 through 3. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Here we have a beautiful narrative on creation. The earth, the sun, the moon, all the stars and objects throughout the heavens were created by the Word of God. When God speaks, things don't just happen. They happen immediately. Notice it doesn't say that light began to develop. It just says that God said, let there be light, and there was light. Nature has obeyed God throughout the time, from creation to the flood, to the time that Jesus was on the water and He spoke to the storms. He said, peace be still, and the water stilled. Nation has a history of obeying God immediately. Do you know why that is? It's because nature doesn't have its own will to get in the way. Unfortunately, because we have a human will, it gets in our way to obey God immediately, which is one of the biggest reasons why we miss out on many of the blessings of God. The human will, or often referred to as our flesh, is what says, when God says something, our, our, our flesh says, wait a minute. I'm not going to do anything until it makes sense to me. Or until I can understand it. Or until I can see how it benefits me. Now you might not say that, but your flesh is saying that every time God asks you to do something that's different. Or that you don't quite understand. Our flesh always wants to speak first and it gets in the way. Nature does not have that, but we do. Galatians 5.17 says this, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. If you read in the book of Romans, Paul goes through this long discourse about saying, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I know I shouldn't do, I keep doing. Because there's this flesh, this sinful nature in me that's doing the things I don't want to do. Our will is always contrary to the things of God. That's just how it is. That's why we need to daily lay down ourselves and, uh, and uh, deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow Jesus. That's a choice that we all must make. Our human will is perpetually against God's will. So the question is, If that's the case, how do I do anything for God? Well, Galatians 5.24 says this, Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You see, a Christian is not somebody in name only. It doesn't mean you're in the club of Christianity just because you wear a cross necklace or you go to church or even because you talk to God. How many know that Satan talked to God? Right? You're not a Christian. Christians are those who are born again, 
redeemed by the blood of Jesus, Christians are in the process of being sanctified or set apart by daily choosing to crucify their flesh with its lusts and with its passions and with its desires. How do we do this? Well, we have to deny ourselves. We have to say no again and again and again to our flesh. We have to walk away from temptation and close the door to sin. The truth of the matter is people say that, oh, that person fell into sin. They didn't fall into sin. They were hanging around the pit for too long and looking over into it and wonder what's in there. And I wonder if it feels better in there. And then they fell. Right? You don't just fall into sin. We have the Holy Spirit in us that's like that danger, Will Robinson, danger. And we got to go. But too often we think, well, I'm okay. I have one foot on, on solid ground. I can look. I can entertain that thought. But we need to, that's our, that's our flesh that says, I can stay a little bit longer. I can be in this conversation a little bit longer. That's our flesh trying to get more time. And yet God is saying, if sin is coming, go and leave and flee. And if we would do that, we would have much better results in our walk with Christ. We have to deny ourselves and say no to our flesh. We have to walk away from temptation, close the door, and deliberately choose not to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's incredibly difficult. But God has called all of us to do exactly that. And because this is impossible to do on our own, He has equipped each believer with the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. God comes and He chooses to live on the inside of us. He doesn't wait for the house to get cleaned up first. Thank goodness, huh? He comes in. And our dirty, messy houses where things are pushed under the rugs and under the corners behind the couch. And He comes and as long as we are obedient to Him and, and admit when we mess up, He does His work and cleans things up from the inside out. And it takes a whole process. That's what sanctification is. a whole process of understanding that we need to submit to God. And we cannot say no on our own, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, He allows us to hear His voice and to follow Him immediately. If we learn to hear and to know the voice of the Holy Spirit and then practice responding to His conviction, He gives us the power to say no. But we have to be willing to submit to His leading. So how do you do that? I was thinking about this day, and you're going to think I'm crazy, or maybe you already do. But I remember saying this, and I remember doing this little experiment with my daughter a couple years ago. How do I learn to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit? So my daughter and I had this thing. We took each other's phones. And you have like alarms on your phone. And so the, 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 we would take the phone and we would set a bunch of random alarms throughout the whole week. It could be at 2 in the afternoon. It could be 2 in the morning. And as soon as we heard the alarm, we would have to get up and start praying. No matter when it was or where it was. Obviously, if I'm driving on the highway, I'm not going to do that. But I'm gonna, it, it, it's going to train me to when I hear something, I'm going to stop what I'm doing and I'm going I'm to seek God and pray. I know it may sound crazy, but what happens is many times we're, we're so used to, we get an inkling from God to do something. We say, God, I know it's important, but I'll do it later. Right? 
I don't know about you. Maybe you had perfect kids that always minded you. So if you did, just humor me because mine didn't. Ours didn't. And so one of the common things that they would say often is like, I, you know, they need to clean the room before they go out. Well, Dad, I'm sorry I forgot. No, you didn't forget. Yes, I did. I really forgot. I said, no, you didn't forget. When you knew you had to, you told your mind, I'll do that. It's important, but I'll do it later. And then the later came, and then you forgot about the later, but the initial part is you didn't do it when it first came. We do that with God all the time. God tells us to pray. God tells us to walk away from temptation. God tells us to stop looking. God tells us to get out of a conversation. And we say we will, but we'll do it later. We cannot say, I forgot. We have a choice to immediately obey or not obey. It's the Holy Spirit that's trying to speak to us to get in us to embrace His voice and to follow His voice. So we have the power to say no if we submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit, but we have to be willing to submit to His leading. The way that we can say no is if we are crucifying our flesh and saying no to the desires that our flesh wants to pursue. And so how the way that we look at how well that we're saying no is by actually our follow-through. For example, how effective is your no or your follow-through to that second cookie? First cookie is not bad, but that second cookie when you want one more. Or how about that second look? You see something, and, you, and that's, where, that's where lust pulls into. Lust is actually a word of iniquity that means it's something that the eye hooks into and it pulls your attention away. So that second look is the sin. How, is, how, are, how good are you at saying no to that? How good are you at saying no to the conversation that you know you shouldn't join or the no, no you shouldn't listen to? When God is saying, get out now, and you just say, I won't say anything, but I'll just stay in here. And God's saying, get out now. How about that movie that you shouldn't watch? And you know you should either walk out or turn it off, but you just stay. How about that thought of revenge or that thought of judgment that you know you shouldn't entertain? How effective is your no or your follow-through to talking back to your boss? Trading insult for insult or complaining when unfair things happen or procrastinating or giving up. We have so many opportunities every day to, to learn to build this craft of saying no. And some things we're very successful at and other things we're not. And God doesn't just say, okay, you're doing okay. God says, no, here's the standard. No, I'm going to give you grace when you fall, but we need to continually be sanctified by submitting to the Spirit and respond immediately when God calls us to. The truth of the matter is that if we don't say no at the onset of temptation and follow through immediately upon conviction, then our flesh inside of us gets stronger and more resistant to God's will. Think about when there's a sickness in your body. And the longer that you wait to treat that sickness, the more inconsistent you are in following that exact protocol to treat it, the stronger the illness gets. And the more resistant it becomes to the prescribed medicine because you let it kind of get roots instead of, instead of treating it aggressively at the beginning. It's the same with the destructive power of the flesh. If we do not come against it immediately and remain consistently vigilant against it, the more it takes over our ability to fight it in the future. The more we 
The more we ignore, ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit and just give the hand, talk to the hand, that's what the kids say nowadays. What's what's doing the same thing? When God's saying, get, leave, run, get out of there, and we just say, okay, I know it's wrong, but I'm going to stay this a little longer. It, it, it sears our ability to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We should hear that voice and run to God, run away from sin. But because of our flesh, we don't always do that. The only way to stop this growth is to crucify the flesh, its passions and desires. It's to respond immediately when we are convicted by the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, maybe because the way that we are raised, when we are wrong, maybe we we are raised in a way that we were condemned. And maybe we had parents that made us feel pity or shame. And so then we put ourselves in pity and shame instead of just saying, no, I was wrong, I'm going to get out. We need to learn to respond to God because God wants the best for us. That's why He wants us to get away from sin. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, He will will allow you the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. See, whenever a believer is tempted, God will always make a way of escape. But we need to bypass our will and take that way of escape immediately. God may give a phone call, may have someone knock on the door, may give you a thought in a different direction. He may convict you to go to prayer, to go to the Word of God, or to get up out of bed, or to leave that TV show. God will give a way, but you need to be willing to obey immediately. The longer you entertain the thought that I can stay a little bit longer, the less power that God has over you because you're not submitting to Him. Remember, this is God's calling card. Obeying immediately does not just satisfy God. It brings power to your situation to overcome and to keep overcoming. When God said, let there be light, there was light now. When Jesus spoke to the storm, He said, peace be still, there was peace immediately. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we need to respond now. We serve a now God. We must respond now. John 4.23 Jesus spoke and He said, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. What's God looking for? People who are willing now to worship Him in spirit and truth. If you're honest with yourself, how quick are you to turn to God and worship Him whenever you hear on the news or in conversations about how bad our world is becoming? It's all over the place. Inflation, economy, jobs, social wars. I guarantee your flesh wants to get into the argument. Your flesh wants to debate. Your flesh wants to slander. Your flesh wants to say how horrible it is. But God's saying, I'm looking for people now who are not trying to fight it by their own means, but are coming to me because God is the only way that can be defeated. How would you assess yourself? doesn't matter. You could be in the supermarket. You could be with friends. You could be on the phone. You could be watching TV or on the Internet. When you, The minute you hear the bad news, you say, God, we need you. 
God, I worship You. I thank You that You are sovereign. I thank You that You are in control. God, keep my heart right in these times. God, help me not resort to anger or vengeance or slander. Help me to trust in You. God, You said the world would be dark, but You are the light of the world. God, we need You. Jesus, we need You. Help me to love my brother and sister. Help me to forgive my brother and sister. Help me to pray for my enemy like Jesus said. Is that what your heart does when you hear about that news? If not, God is saying, I want you to learn to obey now. Because it's about our heart. We have to keep our hearts right before God. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to make mistakes. But God says, if you are preparing a place for me to come back, I'm looking for a heart that's ready to receive. Because you're willing to obey now. Now is the time to worship God. Now is the time to put your trust in Him alone. Now is the time to let go of your pain, of your shame, of your pride. Now is the time to respond to conviction. Now is the time to repent and come to Jesus. For the kingdom of God is at hand. This was the heart of John the Baptist and his message. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, preparing people for Jesus to come into their hearts, to change their lives, and to revolutionize the world. But we must act now. Today, we live in a time of grace where God has given us time and grace to repent. When this time is over, when Jesus returns, there will be no time or opportunity to repent. We must come to Him now. When God is working on your heart to come to Him, you can't wait or the time will pass. Or you will become insensitive and immune to His call. When He's knocking on the door of your heart, you have to open to Him now. And yet, how many times do we leave Jesus out in the cold? Because we say, we're not ready. I'm not ready to let go of that sin yet, God. I know you're knocking, Jesus, but I'm going to keep you out in the cold a little bit longer. I'm not ready to come to you. I'm not ready to forgive this person. I'm not ready to let go of this. Do you think Jesus is going to stay out in the cold if you continually keep Him out? The Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart because he continually said no to the things of God. It's a serious thing. When God calls us, when He convicts us, when He asks us to forgive others, when He asks us to come to Him, we need to do it now. That pain, that shame, that insecurity that you've been holding on to for so long, God wants to take it away and give you His grace in return. He wants to remove your anxiety and fill you with His Spirit but it has to happen now while you are open to conviction. The longer you wait, the less the power of conviction is. If you hesitate, if you overthink it, your will or your logic will close the door on God. When He is knocking on the door of your heart, the time to open is right now. Heavenly Father, thank You for speaking directly to us. We choose to open our minds and our souls and our hearts to You. We confess that we have sinned, that we doubted, that we have complained and put more focus on our will than on Yours. 
Thank You that You sent Jesus to die for us to pay for our sins. Now come into our hearts, God, now. Forgive us and cleanse us. Renew us. Redeem us. And empower us to live for You. Revive the body of Christ to rise up together and take this world for Jesus as You impart Your gifts through the Holy Spirit. Amen? The only hope we have is Jesus. And the only hope for the church of this age is to allow Jesus to work through each one of us and through the gifts that He's given us by His grace. A church doesn't just come together at random. You may think, well, maybe we should go to church today. And maybe that's your thought, but I guarantee God put that thought in there. Maybe you think, I'm going to move up to this area as we did, and I'm going to join this church. And that's your thought, but God's the one that put that thought in there. God composes His body with people with different gifts to accomplish a purpose. He sets members in the body who have various gifts so that we can operate as one and truly be the hands and the feet and the mouthpiece of Jesus to the world. Churches do not grow until its members begin to walk in their spiritual gifts and in their callings in which they have been called. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1-3 through says it this way, I therefore, Paul is speaking, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. How are we going to do that? With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Those words, long-suffering and bearing and endeavoring, that means it's hard work to keep the unity. But we, that's what we are called to do. In this very body here, there are teachers. There are intercessors. There are those who give liberally. There are those who lead diligently. There are those who show mercy cheerfully. Those who encourage. Those who lend a helping hand whenever there's a need. It's no coincidence that any of you are here. God has composed His body to function beautifully to be the light in the world of darkness right now. The time is now for everyone in the body of Christ to walk in their calling and exercise the gifts of God that He has given. There's a whole world of lost souls out there who need Jesus desperately. But listen, it's not just the pastor or the evangelist or the Bible school teacher or the worship leader that God uses to bring people to Jesus. God has specifically arranged the body of Christ in a way to insert each of us into different people's lives. It's no coincidence that your neighbor or your coworker or your family member or your mechanic or your service worker is in your circle of influence right now. Like a well-orchestrated chess match, God has each of us lined up for His next power move. What's that power move? I want to tell you that it's easier than you think. When you are involved in people's lives and go deeper in conversations than just, how's it going? I'm fine. Good. See ya. But when you listen to someone else's heart and you know their struggles, 
And you're not quick to one-up them on what you went through. It's similar, but you just listen to them. When you're quick to listen and know their challenges, and you know what they're going through in life, God has a specific assignment for you. At various times, if you are open to His voice, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and bring someone's name to your mind for a reason. It's not just for you to think about that person and smile. It's a time for you to pray for that person right now. There are times when I'm under a great spiritual attack and I've, as you can imagine, having retired from the schools in June and going into full-time ministry, it's a transition. I've been under a lot of spiritual attack. And there's times when I'm fighting against thoughts or depression or oppression or discouragement. And I can't explain to you, but a wave comes over me to stand against that. And it dissipates. I don't know how. But what I do know is I believe someone at that moment, God brought my name to them and they started praying for me. And they did it now. They did it immediately. We can't ever underestimate the power of now because when God brings a thought to your head and say, oh, I, I, I like that person. No, I'm going to pray for that person because I don't know what that person's going through, but I believe that God brought that person for a reason. And I'm going to do it now because if I wait an hour when my show is done, what about that person that's struggling for an hour? I cannot underestimate the power of immediate prayer. And that's got to be a long prayer. God, I pray for this person. I don't know what they're going through, but You do. I pray that You would hold them close to their heart. I pray, God, that they would get a revelation that You are there for them, that You will never leave them or forsake them. God, I thank You that they know that Your presence is near. doesn't matter what You say, but God puts You as a chess piece to pray for people in their lives. And thank You all of you who pray for me and my wife and my family. As we pray for You, as we pray for each other, that's what the body of Christ was called to do. So, there are also times when God puts a name in your heart and you pray and you move on, that name comes up again. You know what that means? It means you need to contact that person. If it's late at night, if it's during the day, call them, text them, send them a card, go visit them. Now again, there's discernment. But if God continues to bring someone to your mind again and again, what, what, what's the worst that can happen? Oh, I'm sorry I bothered you, but God put, put you on my heart. I want to pray for you and talk to you. Oh, thanks. It's nice, nice to hear from you. There's many times that God is speaking to us to pray for one another, to lift up one another, to intercede for one another. There's times that people are so lonely and they're just looking for a visit or looking for a connection or a phone call or a text or something. There's power when we connect as a body. Amen? Have you ever had a, someone, a visitor or a friend just show up unexpectedly just to say hi? Or a neighbor come over and bring over a plate of fudge and cookies for you? Those are powerful things. We think it's just a simple thing, but those are powerful, and those can be powerful spiritual warfare. Don't let the enemy convince you that it's not. Because when you go through a dark place and you wonder if anybody even notices you or remembers you and someone touches your heart by a call or a text or a visit, that's God moving on your behalf. We need to be willing to go into service for God to bless others. That's how God keeps the body of Christ together and brings new people to the family. All of us are called to be servants of one another. 
but all of us need to respond immediately. Someone's very life could be dependent on it. I'm not saying it to make it guilty, but I'm saying it for the responsibility that we have as Christians. Proverbs 15.23 says it this way, A word spoken in due season, how good it is. I mean, I could take encouragement, I could take a word of God, but when it comes at a time when I really need it, in due season I'm really down, boy, how good is it. Amen? Never underestimate how powerful a word of encouragement, of care, of love, of prayer is to someone who needs it right now. Well, regardless of our different gifts, every one of us is able to share Jesus with others. That's how the body grows. That's how the kingdom of God advances and how light overtakes darkness. I'm going to tell you there's a lot of work to be done, as we know. No longer can we say that we're waiting for an opportunity to share Jesus with our friend. Waiting for opportunity to share Jesus with our neighbor or our coworker or our family member. Right now, there is a cry going out. It's a cry of lost souls. Many do not hear this cry because they are listening to the wrong thing. Let me explain. If we are not discerning, we listen more to people's words than to their emotions. And then we try to fix their emotions or their words by what we can say to them. Rather than listening to their hearts cry to find healing, to be rescued from shame, to know their Redeemer personally. They're not looking for a pat on the back to tell us that everything's going to be okay. They need the way, the truth, the life. They need Jesus. Will you be obedient to share that message of love and hope and healing with others? There are people in our lives that we see all the time that need to know that God loves them. A few years ago, there was a Christian song that came out by a group called Sidewalk Prophets. I would bet that this song is true to every one of us and we don't even realize it. Let me just read the first verse to you. We've met half a dozen times. I know your name. I know you don't know mine. But I won't hold that against you. You come here every Friday night. I take your order and I try to be polite and hide what I've been going through. If you looked me right in the eye, would you see the pain deep inside? Would you take the time to tell me what I need to hear? Tell me that I'm not forgotten. Show me that there is a God who can be more than all I've ever wanted. Because right now I need a little hope. I need to know that I'm not alone. Maybe God is calling you tonight to tell me something that might save my life. Listen, there are hundreds if not thousands of people out there right now in this very community who would identify with this description that you see all the time. These are people that you see where conversations never go below the surface, but their soul is crying out for a word in due season. Your immediate obedience. A word given in due season. God loves you. God has not forgotten about you. God sees you. An invitation to freely come to Jesus. 
has the power to save someone's life. It's time for all of us to be sidewalk prophets. To get out there and to share Jesus with others. You don't know how to begin? Tell them about how you have been changed. Tell them about what God has done in your life. How He's changing your perspective. How He's changing your attitude. How He's changing your heart. Your own changed life is the greatest testimony that you can share. Start talking about God. If there's an interest or a spark there when you're talking about it, then pray with them. Can I pray for you right now that God would bless you and God would become real to you? Invite them to church. Invite them to our harvest dinner. Invite them to a night of worship that we have once a month, the third Thursday of the month. Invite them to be your guest. Or encourage them to get involved in any life-giving church. It's not about coming here. It's getting closer to God. But don't stay silent. Follow up with them. Evangelism is not about delivering a spiel. Going from one person to the next. Hoping that something takes. Evangelism is born out of relationship. Be part of their life. Listen to them. Here's a big one. Don't get offended at their language. If they are in the world, they're not going to talk like they are in in God's house. That's okay. If God called you to them, He's not offended by their language. Get involved in life. Try not to be repulsed by what they're saying or what they're doing. Look at their heart, not just the words. Be genuine, but always bring it back to Jesus. Give them hope. Tell them what they need to hear. What their soul is crying for that this world is not offering. Give them something that will change their life now. Give them Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the power of Your Word. We thank You, the Holy Spirit, that You live inside of us and convict us and call us closer to You. We thank You, God, that we would be alert and be ready to respond now. Help us to see all over the people who are crying out for You right now. Let us not think that we can convict it with just our words or our actions. Let us give them Jesus. Thank You to go before us and stir the hearts of people that You're going to put in our lives even this week so that we could even in future weeks come back and share the testimonies of what God did because we were willing to step out now. Thank You, Lord God, by the power of Your name. In Jesus' name, amen.